0: Hey there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 252 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We are here for your draft needs. Uh, the NBA draft was last night. It is Thursday morning, and we are here to chat about the Dukies who got drafted last night. Let's start things off with introductions. As you probably know by now, I am Jason Evans, your host this week. I am joined, as I always am, like why do we even do these introductions at this point? I don't know <laughs> but as always, I'm joined by Donald Wine and Sam Klein. Donald, how's it going this morning?:
1: It's very early. Uh, the draft, as you all know, went pretty late, uh, and we basically are doing a turn a, a quick turnaround with this. so uh, hopefully we don't sound like we just woke up, but I just did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, it is early in the morning because we had to accommodate Sam Klein's job. Sa- Sam's actually a, a hardworking man. And so we had to record before he had to get to work. Sam, what's new in your neighborhood today?
2: Well, I'm sending that bit of audio to, to my boss to make sure that he knows that I'm a hard worker, although I don't know if he appreciates that I do this I went to bed before the draft was over last night, so I woke up this morning to find out that Cassius Stanley is going to the Pacers, and I am prepared to talk about it because I didn't have to know last night. I only had to know this morning, and I'm very happy for all the guys for, for getting drafted into good situations. You cheated. Yes.
1: You cheated. <laughs> I stayed up for the whole thing. <laughs> that, is, that, is a
2: silly, that is a silly thing to do, and no one told you that you had to. You That's got, true. You get no extra credit for that.
1: I, I get my own extra credit.
0: I like it. Okay, guys, so let's get into our draft conversation. And by the way, as a deep tease, so everybody knows, coming up a little later on the podcast, if you're not interested in the NBA draft, go ahead and fast forward a little bit, although you'd be crazy because we're going to have a great conversation, I'm sure. But we, we will be chatting a little later with Chris Carrawell, uh, a Duke assistant coach, Chris Carrawell, um, uh, spoke to the media this week. I got a chance to chat with him, and we will be bringing you highlights of his conversation with the media as we are just days away now from the start of the regular season for the Blue Devils. That will be coming up, but before we get to that, as we said, uh, we're in the wake of the NBA draft, Um, and, and, you know, obviously, crazy NBA draft because the season starts in, I think, like a month and a couple days. (laughs) Um, You know, it's just a bonkers way that COVID has changed everything about the world, including changing the draft, Uh, and one of the biggest changes was there were no first-rounders from the Duke Blue Devils this year. Um, We had three guys drafted. We joined Kentucky and Arizona as the only schools to have three players uh, drafted in this draft. And that's great. But for the first time since 2010, no one from Duke goes in the first round. And I felt like, you know, it was this thing that you saw sort of rolling along. As always, there are guys who get taken sort of unexpectedly early. And and a couple of those, as they happened, I sort of felt Duke's shot at a first rounder slipping away. Specifically for me, it was when uh, Emmanuel quickly... Um, from Kentucky, went to the to the Thunder at pick number 25. The Thunder have just traded away Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder, so they desperately need point guards. And I really thought this is a spot where Trey Jones could easily go. And then right after that, the Boston Celtics took Peyton Pritchard. Uh, the Celtics are another team that, that I feel like could use a backup point guard. I, I thought it was a really ideal spot for Trey, um, but the Celtics went with Peyton Pritchard. A- at Malachi Flynn, who's another point guard, uh, went – Toward the you know one of the final couple picks of the first round, I thought those were sort of Trey Jones's spots to go in the first round, and and they just slipped away. Uh, and then the first Dookie to get drafted wasn't Trey at all; it was Vernon Carey, who went number 32 to the somewhat hometown Charlotte Hornets. Um, uh, an interesting situation there for Vernon. They have no great big men. Charlotte is not a team loaded with great centers um, uh, who dominate the position. So so he could find a role there. Uh, so. Uh, Donald, I'll go to you first. Um, uh, let's start with Vernon um, and talk about the first Duke he drafted, number thirty-two. Um, a, a good spot, you know. If you're not going to be a first rounder, being one of those first, you know, five or so picks of the second round, he's going to get a guaranteed contract. Vernon's going to make some serious money in the NBA.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think you know it's funny, right? Like before the draft, people were talking about will we get a first rounder. They were also talking about like when we didn't get that first rounder, like oh, Dukes lost it. And I even had some friends text me like why are people not rating Duke players anymore? And I'm like, this is wild, you know, because we knew we, we had talked with uh, with Jeremiah Boswell just the other week about how this this would happen or this could happen, uh, that we get guys early in the second round or, or late in the second round. And I think with Vernon Carey, he did land in a good spot in Charlotte because he does have a chance to make that team. He He's going to get a got- contract. 32nd is basically a first rounder. You know, it, it's just like the NFL draft. Most people think, oh, you have to be in the first round. Otherwise, you're just a bust. You're not going to do anything. That first few picks in the second round always yields someone that's like, yeah, I've been sitting here all day, and this guy is, is right for the taking. They probably took Vernon Carey because they needed big man help, and he was the best big man left on the board. A first-round talent that's still around the second round, you draft very, very quickly. So I liked that pick for, for Vernon Carey. And, and really just on, on Trey Jones, I know we'll talk about him in a second, his drop was precipitated by a lot of other point guards dropping in the draft, namely Tyrese Halliburton, who was slated to be as high as like fifth or sixth and dropped all the way to 12th. That, sh- that kind of let everyone else fall a little bit down the pecking order. And that's why Trey Jones probably ended up in the second round because there were still plenty of point guards available in that late for round to take.
2: I do want to come back to Vernon Carey really quick because one thing to always look at in these situations, it's not just which team drafted the player and, and the roster that they have, but, and as far as uh, playing time goes, but you also want to know kind of where the team is in the, in the cycle of being competitive or not competitive. Charlotte barely missed the playoffs uh, this year and they don't have a good record. They were in the Eastern conference and, Traditionally, the Eastern Conference teams that just missed the playoffs are many games below 500. But the Hornets are kind of in this space where there's there's room to grow. And Jason, you mentioned that they don't have another true center like Vernon Carey. I think that could actually be a blessing or a curse. The blessing here, of course, is that there's room for Vernon Carey to operate. There's nobody else like him on the roster. I think the curse may come from the fact that there's nobody else – that Charlotte is designing an offense around that involves a guy like Vernon Carey. He's, I mean, he was a second round pick. He's probably not starting for this team, you know, whenever the the season starts, I think in about a month, month and a half. But so the, the challenge there for Carey is that he's going to have to plug in perhaps to a role that he's not fully comfortable with. I definitely expect him to get G league time. If the, if the G league is operational this year and it may take him some time to adjust to, NBA three-point shooting range, the, the speed of the game, all those kinds of things that, that we would talk about with anybody, I think is going to be especially important for Kerry because he's going to have to you know be running up and down the floor with NBA bigs. He was not challenged like that this past year in college where he was basically able to physically overwhelm most of the centers that he played against, that won't be the case in the NBA. So it may take time for him to see the floor, but the Hornets have a lot of opportunity. So I'm optimistic that he becomes a useful piece to them,
0: maybe not this year, but
2: in two or three years.
0: You know, an interesting thing about Vernon Carey, after he was drafted and he was talking to the media, he said, you know, he was asked, Oh, you know, who do you style your game after that kind of stuff? And he mentioned Brooke Lopez um, who's been a very successful NBA center and who has in recent years, especially remade his game into an outside in game. I and mean, Brooke Lopez is a guy who, who's physical on the inside. He rebounds really well, but the way he scores in the NBA is he goes out to the perimeter and he gets three pointers. He's a very good outside shooting big man. And I was really intrigued that when you asked Vernon Carey, Hey, who are you modeling yourself after? That was one of the names that came out. He also mentioned Bam Adebayo and Anthony Davis, um, uh, you know, who are, you know, two of the, uh, you know, elite big men in the NBA. I think Brook Lopez is probably a better comp for him, and, and I think that makes a lot of sense. And It's very interesting to me that he identified a guy uh, who does, you know, outside stuff. He's recognizing that that's something he needs to work on to become a, an impact NBA player. I think Brook Lopez is a, is a great comp for Vernon
2: Carey, and look at the success that Brook Lopez has had, especially in the later part of his career. He's the last two years, he's played on the number one seed in the East. They obviously haven't won the championship yet there in Milwaukee, but that team has been very successful with Brooke Lopez being, you know, the third or fourth option. He's not the number one guy, right? They have Giannis running that team, but Brooke Lopez is very important to the success of the Bucks.
1: And when you talk about stretch fives, if he can develop into a stretch five, that, I mean, he's a guy that is more an inside get, he has a more of an inside game, at least in college he did than he does outside and if he could pull guys outside he's gonna be even more effective when he goes inside because they're gonna have to you know basically have a guy who's who is undersized to try and guard him on the outside which means he can power him on the inside I think that's the game he's looking for and I think he can get there too
0: yeah so it's a good landing spot I think for Vernon let's get to the next Dookie who got drafted Uh, Trey Jones goes number 41 to the Spurs and I have to give a shout out To my man, Jeremiah Boswell, when we were talking to Jeremiah a week ago, we were doing those episodes where we previewed each of these guys, each of these dookies headed to the NBA. We put Jeremiah on the spot. And I mean, this is one of the most difficult things you can do. Say to someone, hey, who's going to draft this guy? Because unless you're talking about someone going in the first, you know, five to seven picks, it is really hard to figure out who's drafting who. And he went ahead and, you know, especially a guy like Trey, who could have gone, everyone said anywhere from, you know, 20 to 50. Um, and, and he ends up going number 41. Uh, Jeremiah just said, you know, a great landing spot would be the Spurs, uh, a team that has a very solid organization. You know, people there respect the coach. I mean, are, you know, one of the greatest coaches of, of all time. And he said that's the kind of organization where Trey can be an extension of the coach and, uh, and really thrive. And I, I think it's a very good landing spot for him. I'd hope that Trey would go higher than that. Um, uh, the Spurs do have... Uh, Dejunte Murray, Murray and, and Patty Mills ahead of him at point guard. They've, you know, they've got pretty solid point guards already in the roster, but neither of those guys are like superstars um, who demand you know, to play every minute that they can possibly play. So I think Trey could find a role on this team uh, you know, and a, just a great organization. Uh, Sam, I'll go to you first. Uh, how do you feel about Trey's landing spot? I know he hoped to be a first rounder. 41. There are certainly plenty of guys who've carved out great NBA careers from this kind of spot though.
2: I would rather be drafted at 41 by the Spurs than drafted in the first round by most of the league, not most of the league. Cause it, you know, if you're, if you're the number five pick, you're the number five pick, but if you're, if, if it's being the 20th pick for an organization that you don't trust or being the 40th pick for the Spurs, Send me to San Antonio. the The Spurs know what they're doing. They know how to develop guys. They know how to find the the players that are undervalued, and they know how to get them to work together. That organization's been been doing that for decades now with with a lot of the same leadership. So I, I am sure that there will be multiple glowing phone calls between Coach Popovich and and Mike Shashevsky about Trey Jones and and everything that he brings to the team. And we know that that culture is 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 the one of the most important things for the Spurs. So for all those reasons, and you know, you said it and, and Jeremiah said it, it's a great situation for him to be in. No one is going to be pressuring Trey to, to, to be taking tons of shots. He's not going to have to play big minutes early. This is a role that he's really going to be able to grow into. And, and I very much hope that it works for him in San Antonio. I, I don't know that there's a better organization he could have landed with.
1: Yeah. I think when it comes to Trey, you know, first of all, the relationship that Pop has with Coach K, I'm sure influenced this decision because Pop has
0: gotten to see a lot. That's a Trey great Jones. call. That is a great call, Donald. That, yeah. Uh, absolutely.
1: Uh, and, and when you have a guy who just, you know, kind of comes to practice and is like, oh, yeah, this kid, who is this kid? And who's who's been talking to him? You know Pop had that at the back of his mind. But also, Pop is a guy who really loves point guards to have pressure defense. And there was no better pressure defender in this draft at point guard than Trey Jones. And I think that is something where you say he, he was he had, he had probably had a bigger need in the first round. In the second round, he goes for some depth at a position where he needs some extra defense and he needs a point guard who he can trust on the floor. Trey Jones was there for the taking. He goes for him. So I think it was a great pull by Jeremiah Boswell and a great pull by Pop because he has gotten a guy who can be that extension on the floor for him.
0: Well, and, you know, something really important to note, you mentioned, you know, they went elsewhere in the first round. They they went with Devin Vassell of Florida State uh, with the 11th pick in the draft. Uh, a, a great pick, by the way. I think, you know, the Spur, this is the Spurs. Like, the last time they made a mistake, I was probably in diapers. I think it is important to look at who else a team took. Uh, you know, there are some teams that had a lot of picks. The Spurs only had two picks. And um, I if, if, you're, if you're drafted to a team that has a lot of picks, a lot of young guys, sometimes it's harder to find a role and fit in uh, because there, there's so many guys they need to develop. Um, the Spurs are not really in that situation. Uh, they have a, a pretty experienced roster, not a ton of young guys that they're focused on on this roster. And, um, and so I think that, that that bodes well for Trey to, to have a good chance to, to be a significant player for them, um, if not immediately, then down the road. All right, so that's going to get us to the third Dookie drafted, and and we kind of suspected that uh, that the third guy was uh, that you know Cassius Stanley was was not going to go ahead of either Vernon Carey or Trey Jones. Cash ends up going number fifty-four to the Pacers, and uh, I, you know I, I was just talking about number of guys drafted, really interesting situation for Cash. I mean you know mid to late second round, but he's the only draft pick for the Pacers. Pacers did not have a first-round draft pick. The only you know, the, the top rookie on their team next year will be Cassius Stanley. Uh, ordinarily, a guy at number 54, you'd think you're looking at a lot of G League time. You're looking at, you know, perhaps struggling to make the roster even. Cash may be in a better situation than that. I mean, like of all the landing places, I, I really like this. A team that only has one pick. Um, and there's some room on the wing there. It's not like they've got, they got Victor Oladipo. There's talk they may trade Oladipo, though. Um, I think there's some room for Cassius Stanley to, to have a nice future with them. Donald, um, I, take it you – Yeah, know, what, what do you think about Cassius' chances here?
1: Well, I think you, you mentioned Oladipo. I think that's the main question, right? Will they trade him or will he leave at a certain point? I don't know if that's certain because of the way the season has just been uh, from last year and also this year. I don't know that he leaves after this season uh, – during this season, but he may leave after in the off season next summer Uh, so this is really building for the future and after that you really have Jeremy Lamb and I think after that Cash Stanley can smooth right in as that third shooting guard on the team uh you know ahead of some other guys so I think when it comes to cash he he needs to work on his three-point jumper he has the relaxation to do that he doesn't have the pressure to go out and produce immediately he has the you know the athleticism already And I'm sure they like that because if you're comparing athleticism with shooting guards, Victor Oladipo is a great guy to be compared to. Uh, And he kind of has that sort of athleticism where you kind of like, oh, yeah, this guy's kind of undersized. He's small. And then all of a sudden he's he's jumping over you uh, to dunk the ball very, very hard. So I think those sort of things are what the Pacers like. They obviously like that. They want a guy who is a compliment to uh, Oladipo in case he leaves. Uh, But I do think right now, if he can slide in and be that, you know, right now, 10th, 11th guy, which would be the third shooting guard on the team, then I think he has a a great spot for him to develop that jumper uh, and really be a better on ball defender to get him some more playing time. Because I think he has those tools to do it. And I think it's great that the Pacers took that chance on him because a lot of guys are probably scared away from the fact that he's already 20 and think the upside's not there. But the upside is clearly there with this kid.
2: I think that. Oladipo being there is actually a positive for Cassius Stanley sort of to Donald's point, because I think that you could make a good player comp for, you know, Cassius Stanley's ceiling might be being a guy like Oladipo. He's very athletic and he still has a lot of raw elements to his game. So being able to learn from Oladipo, at least in this first year before Oladipo becomes a free agent, I think is going to be great for Cassius Stanley. The other guy that's on this roster that, that is a good player to to model, you know, not necessarily the exact game but but the NBA lifestyle is Malcolm Brogdon the the Pacers have have some really excellent dudes on the team they're also expecting to to compete again this year they were the 4 seed this past season in the east i would think that that they're still going for it obviously the east is getting more competitive but the pacers are are right in it they you know they, they can add a piece or two and and all of a sudden become one of the best teams in, in the Eastern Conference. So I don't think there's a ton of pressure on Cassius Stanley this year to to play big minutes for this team. If he spends the year learning from experienced players who know what it takes to to get to the playoffs, then I think that's going to serve him well in the long term. I actually think Cassius Stanley it should be setting himself up to get that, that, that free agent deal, whether it's with Indiana or whether it's elsewhere. We're going to see his impact maybe three or four years into the league.
1: And I will say, when it comes to this draft, just overall, right? Like, I I was I was looking at Twitter last night. So all you fans of other teams out there, I saw you. I read you. I read you, Maryland fans who were talking junk about the fact that you guys had a first round pick, and there was whatever, however many picks between uh, the, the time a Maryland fan, a Maryland guy went, and the time a Duke guy went. I saw that. I saw that from you, Kentucky. But at the end of the day, we had more guys drafted than just about any other team in the draft. We had more guys. That went. And by the way, Cassius Stanley became the 100th all time draft pick for Duke, 67th under Coach K. Who else is saying that? So uh, you could have been laughing at the beginning of the night about how far Duke has fallen and how we're not one of the greats anymore. But first of all, those three second rounders beat your team last year. Second of all, we still had more draft picks than you. So you could talk all you want, but there's, there's some guys that are set up for failure and there's some guys that are set up for success. And I'm glad that at least. For, for the most part, I think all three of our guys are in positions where they can succeed and have long careers in the NBA because of where they landed.
0: You know, and the other thing to note is, uh, you know, as we've said, crazy corona times, this is going to be a weird off offseason. Uh, the, the, NBA, the NBA season starts before Christmas. In case you hadn't noticed, we're right on the cusp of, of Thanksgiving. The, the off season is going to be tiny. Uh, there's not going to be as much time for these rookies to, to, to get up to speed and, and to learn what they need to learn and develop. There's, there's not going to be a summer league. Summer's way gone.
1: <laughs> training, camp, uh, training camp begins in 12 days.
0: Yeah, it's going to be crazy. And, and I don't know whether that is going to benefit or hurt these, these Dukies. Um, you know, I, I, it may be tough for some of them to, to find a spot. But on the other hand, the fact that you've been drafted, the fact that the team, you know, spent an asset on you, uh, probably means that they're invested in you. And I, 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 won't, I, I fully expect Vernon and Trey will be on the opening day roster for, for Charlotte and for San Antonio. And I think there's a fairly decent chance, even at pick number 54, that Cash makes the opening day roster for Indiana. That's a great situation for all three of those guys. The number of Dukies in the NBA continues to climb. I believe we have more than any other um, college basketball team. And, and it, I think it will probably be three more this year. So with that in our rearview mirror, we're going to take a quick break, uh, but coming back after the break, as we promised, you will hear from Duke assistant coach, Chris Carrawell. All right, so we're back. And as I mentioned, before we went to the commercial break, uh, I had a chance, all, all the media, it wasn't just me. <laughs> All the media had a chance to chat with Duke assistant coach, Chris Carrawell earlier this week. He had some really interesting things to tell us about the makeup of the team and, you know, where guys are as we uh, approach Duke's first game in less than a week. I'm very excited for the season to start. Uh, so let's, let's not have any more preamble to it. Let me get you first to Chris Carrawell talking. And, and, and by the way, you're about to hear some really good things about Jalen Johnson. So here's Sewell talking to the media um, and have a listen.
1: Started with uh, Steve Wiseman. Steve, go ahead.
0: Thanks, Mike. Thanks,
2: Chris. Good to see you this morning. How are you doing?
3: What's up, Steve? What's going on?
2: Hey, uh, I got a quick, I'm going to ask a two-parter here. Coach mentioned last night that that Matt Hurt and Henry Coleman both have injury situations that he said Matt would would play if there were a game this week. It was more of a precaution thing. I wondered if the same is true for Henry. And then also with those two out of practice or scrimmages, what has that done to the rotation? Who has been able to step up with those extra minutes and show you guys something?
3: Yeah, you know, Matt. Matt is actually doing well. He worked out uh, yesterday for um, about forty five minutes prior to practice, and he look he looks good and. Um, You know, he was he was able to practice that yesterday, actually, um, till he had to leave and go take a final. (laughs) So, uh, but he's doing he's doing better. Um, And then Henry, you know, twisted his ankle a little bit. And, um, you know, he's a tough guy. But, you know, right now you just you just want to make sure that they're 100%. And so uh, if we needed him to play both of those guys, they could play if if it was a game today, but uh, just got to just make sure they're 100% healthy. Um, you know, the guys, the guy that I've seen that stepped up the most, in my opinion, is uh, Jalen. Jalen Johnson has, you know, he's starting to come around. You know, starting to come around. He kind of, you know, started off a little slow early in the in in preseason, so to speak. Uh, but now you're starting to see his talent kind of evolve a little bit. Um, just making plays. He's extremely versatile. Um, really good athlete. I mean transition. Him getting downhill has been great for us, and he's a he's a great passer. Now he he, he turns it over a little bit, but but he can make some plays uh, with the pass that you know that's you know I didn't know coming in. You know you see him, you don't think about him being a playmaker, but uh, I think that's his best skill set is is passing the ball right now. Thank you. All right,
1: we'll go to Evan Cullen next with the Chronicle. Go ahead, Evan. So yeah, no, I'm bouncing off that related to Jalen Johnson. He was uh, obviously a top five recruit when he committed. Uh, fell a little bit last year after he, um, you know, didn't play much and had to transfer. Uh, do you feel that, um, you know, compared to the team's previous top recruits, he's a bit underrated
3: uh, yeah. heading into this season? Yeah, I think so, Evan. I think, uh, I think he is underrated, you know. Not playing, though, most of the year, last year, you could tell. You could tell. You know, he, he was – when you don't play um, or you play partially, it hurts you. And then with everything going on with the pandemic, I think it set him back. And so now you come in and, you know, it's go time. And so I think he had to get ready. And I think uh, he's been putting in extra work every day. Uh, he's running extra out the practice. He's getting extra shots in. His conditioning has improved. And so I think he's starting to hit his stride now. He still have a, he still has a learning curve, um, you know, just learning a college game. But man, with that talent, and um, if he can continue to grow, he's he's going to continue to take off. Uh, but I I would say he was underrated. All right, we'll go to Brennan Marks next with the athletic. Go ahead, Brennan.
2: Hey Chris, thanks for taking the time. Appreciate you. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about Wendell. We've heard so much from a couple of other people about you know the the leaps and bounds that he's made in his game. What do you think has made the biggest difference in that? And and how do you see his change in his game being reflected in the change of maybe his personality and, and sort of coming into himself as a person?
3: Yeah, he, Brendan, he's been uh, he's been tremendous this this preseason. You know the growth from a, from your freshman year to your sophomore year. So we look at Matt Hurt and, and Wendell Moore in the one and done era, you know, a lot of people like really think, you would think they had bad years, so to speak, right? But I mean, for freshmen to play those type of minutes and for those averages, if you look at their average, this, in my day, I mean, coming back for their sophomore year, they would have been on covers of magazines and they would have been like, I mean, really, and so it's just different now, but the, the the mo the main thing the most important thing that I've seen out of Wendell has been his confidence. It would be times in games last year when he was open and he wouldn't shoot the ball, and you can hear the bench and then some fans yelling, "Shoot, shoot!" And he would pass up open shots. I think just you know a year older um you know, working on his game all summer. And then you come back, you're older, you're more confident, and he's playing with extreme confidence now. And so for us, that's going to help us because he can shoot the ball, but you wouldn't know it because he wouldn't shoot. <laughs> and so now he's, when he's open, we encourage him to take a shot because it's a good shot. Even if he misses it, he sh- he shoots such a good ball that it's easy to rebound it. And so, um, you know, his confidence has been the main thing from, Freshman year to sophomore year.
0: So uh, we're going to get to a little more of, uh, of Coach Sewell's conversation with us in just a moment, but I wanted to stop right now and, and, and talk about, you know, first of all, Jalen Johnson. This is a guy we we just had not heard a lot about. And and suddenly, you know, we're hearing more and more about Jalen. Uh, and, it, and it sounds very, very impressive, uh, you know, Seawell gets asked, uh, you know, okay, Matthew Hurt and Henry Coleman, you know, have a little minor nagging injuries. Don't seem like they're anything serious. Who's stepped up? And there's Jalen Johnson's name. I think that's a big deal. Um, uh, Sam, what what was your takeaway from those first couple couple comments? And and also, you know, talking about Wendell Moore and his confidence.
2: On Jalen Johnson, it sounds like he's coming along. It was a struggle for him given that he wasn't able to, to play last season. So the ramp up period for him is probably just a little bit slower, but you know, if that means that that he's not his best here for the first few games of the season, and he doesn't really feel like he's getting it going until ACC play starts or until we get to January, that's fine. There's plenty of depth on this team such that I think in the ideal world, Jalen Johnson is playing 30 plus minutes, but we'll, you know, we'll see him maybe dial that back early in the season, and then and then ramp up. It's great to hear that he's stepping up at, at this point in the in the preseason because it means that you know he, he should be able to contribute. And hey, we do get a couple of cupcake games early in the season for him to to get his legs under him. So I'm I'm very excited to see, especially the way he plays with Matt Hurt, because in 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 some world they kind of play the same position so it'll be neat to see them playing off of each other i think they have somewhat complementary skill sets even though they may occupy the same space on the floor but i'm i'm excited to see to see jalen johnson in the starting lineup playing playing big minutes for duke because he is the most talented freshman on this team regardless of the amount of playing time that he's gotten in the last year
1: yeah i think when it comes to jalen johnson I think he listens to the same interviews that we listened to. I think he's listening to the fact that people are like, Oh, you know, he's not really been mentioned that much. And, and then you see the highlight videos and he's in like one highlight and that's it. If you notice that first scrimmage a couple of weeks ago, the first half didn't even have him in it. And people were like, yo, what's up with Jalen Johnson? All of a sudden in the second half, you see him explode. I think this is the point where we see him and he's like, okay, yeah, I, I, I see, I see the quotes I, I see the highlight videos and I see him not a part of those packages and he's starting to step it up big time. He's starting to assert himself in a way where we're talking about one of the most heralded freshmen in the country as underrated, right? Like that's usually not what we attribute to one of the top five or six freshmen in the country is underrated. So I think when it comes to Jalen Johnson, he's starting to find his grind or find his groove. It's taken a little bit longer than some freshmen, but when he's in his groove, he's gonna be in his back. And I and I, you know, I'm ready to see what that looks like. If it if it's on November twenty fifth, that's great. If it's on December 1st, that's also great. Because we're gonna need it at some point this season. I, I'm looking forward to seeing him get to that point because when this game slows down for him and he starts to really become Jalen Johnson that we've heard about and we've seen play in highlights, then this team's gonna be really, really good.
2: As far as Wendell Moore goes, I am very excited to see the competition between Wendell Moore and Matt Hurt for most improved player this year. Cause I think they're both in line to take big steps. You heard Chris Carowell talking about it. You've heard the rest of the coaching staff and, and the freshmen talking about Wendell Moore being more vocal, more of a leader, more of a, a guy that that wants to shoot the ball and, and take over the game. We saw that in little stretches last year. There were a couple games where it was like, Oh, Wendell Moore can, can just get it to the hole. He can, he can make a lot of things happen on offense, not to mention his, his stellar defense on the perimeter. I think you're going to see a lot of additional maturity out of Wendell Moore leading to, to big plays in, in big games.
0: Well, and you heard Sewell say, you know, Hey, last year he'd have the ball and, and the fans would be saying, shoot, shoot. And he would pass up the open shot. And he said this year he's shooting and he can really shoot the ball. That is a very big deal for Duke to put another because Wendell Moore is such a great defender and he does so many other things. Well, if he's also able to shoot, it's, it's just an essential part of what could be a, a, you know, a really special success uh, for him and for Duke. I want to get to the other portions of, of the conversation we had with with coach Carowell and and we're going to start with um, a question that I asked him uh, about coronavirus. He, he, he said they're going to be cancellations, Uh, you know, he was very clear about the fact that this season is not going to go on uninterrupted. Um, so I wanted to ask him a little bit about how the team was preparing for a season where they expect COVID's going to throw them some curves. So, uh, you know, here's that as well as a couple other uh, important questions that we heard from Coach Or We'll
1: go to Jason Evans next. Go ahead, Jason.
0: So Chris, uh, I'm, I'm sure you heard that the NCAA has decided to play the entire NCAA tournament in one location. Um, and, and we have teams that are not practicing at all right now. You were just talking a moment ago uh, about the COVID, you know, craziness that we're all living through. Do you think we're going to get through the entire season? Have you guys talked about what you might do if you have to shut down for a long period of time or something like that? It, it just seems like it, it's just really tough.
3: Yeah, it's really tough, Jason. You know, we 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 try not to focus on it. Um, you know, they're talking about Indiana. If we can just get there, right? If, if That's the, the hope and the wish and the praying is just, you know, that's like, man, at the end of the rainbow, you know, just like it's something that you, we think about. But we just take it day by day. You know, one day at a time, um, that's all you can really focus on, knowing that the main thing, if we can get to that tournament, you know, and so we can't, it could, it's going to be cancellations. Uh, some teams are going to have to shut down. Right. And that's tough, but you know, it, it's, it's been tough. And so what we've been doing and uh, I think that's, what's been going on in, like, we we've been fighting, we've been fighting. And so if we can just keep fighting, uh, keep praying, and hopefully uh, this thing is start to, you know, turn for the, for the good. And if, if that happens, um, I mean, it's just, it'd, it'd just be great. More importantly for the kids, Jason, cause I think about, you know, I got to play in the tournament all four years, right? I mean, that's, that's the best to play in the tournament. That's what you call, Come to college basketball, come to college, for, to play college basketball is to play in the tournament. And for these kids not to have the opportunity, you know, you think about those seniors, right? Their last, year they don't get a chance to play in the tournament 2020 you know and those you know we we're literally in tears you know it was, it was tough and so um if we can if we can have that tournament but we, if we can also have a, a a season where you know we start to turn with the with the pandemic i think that's the best for the kids you just gotta keep fighting
0: so, so I've got a quick follow on that. Um, we're, we're, we're a week from our first game. Can you compare what the preparation is like for this team to past teams where there weren't as many challenges as we've faced so far? Where, where are they compared to the previous Duke teams that you coached and played on?
3: Yeah, you know, it's tough because we have seven freshmen, Jason. And, you know, with, with, so, so you take our team last year. Um, we we were old, so to speak, right? And old and, co- old and college now is different. Uh, we had seniors. You know, we had three seniors, if I'm not mistaken. Hopefully, I'm not missing anybody. But we had Jack White, Javin, and J-Rob, right? And Trey Jones was a, was a veteran. Although he was a sophomore, he was a veteran because uh, he played so much his freshman year. And so with this team, man, we're – we're we're young, I mean young. Seven freshmen. So, you you teach more. You know you have to slow it down as coaches. I think we've done a a really good job, all of us, of just just not rushing the process, so to speak. You know you have to take your time when you're explaining because, and you might have to do it over and over again, and 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 be patient with these guys because you know, with an older team, they just pick it up right away. They, they know, and they can do, they'd already know. So it's like, okay, yeah, do that. And so with this team, you have to just, you know, just take your time a little bit more. Um, But we've had a great group, Jason. We've had a great group. These guys come every day with great attitudes. They come to work. It's been a fun group to work with. And though we, although we are in a pandemic, I think it's allowed us to grow cro- closer, so to speak, because, you know, you don't, you know, as a freshman, you would like to get out and hang out a little bit and party a little bit, but they're not allowed to do that. So, the party's been in the gym.
0: Thanks, Coach. Uh, we'll to
1: Evan Colon. Go ahead, Evan. So, in a typical season, the captains are announced a few months out. Obviously, this year's a little bit de- different, but we're approaching, you know, less than two weeks of the season. Um, so, I think uh, late last week, Nate James referred to Wendell Moore as one of the captains, but I was just wondering, if anyone else has uh, fulfilled, uh, has stepped up to fulfill that role, or uh, when that might formally be announced?
3: Yeah, Evan, I don't know. We're still in a process. Wendell has been captain-like, although he hasn't been named captain. <laughs> uh, you hear his voice all the time. I'm gonna tell you a guy's voice that you hear a lot, and he's a freshman. is Is Henry Coleman? I mean, this guy's talking all the time. You know, he he's he's somewhat of a leader. Uh, Right now, And so um, Goldwire and Matt Hurt, those guys, the upperclassmen, those guys have been really good. Joey Baker, in terms of leading by example. But you hear Wendell and Henry Coleman's voice the most. Um, and so that's been good. Because I think you have to have both, both when it comes to leadership. You have to have guys who are vocal. But you also have to have guys who are, who are not quite as vocal, but every day, you know what you're going to get. They're going to work hard. They're going to set it, you know, they're going to set the example of, of how practice should go, um, how hard you should work in both on, on both on the court and in the weight room. And that's why this team has been so good, because we've had guys step up and these guys bring it every day. And so it's, it's, it's been good from that standpoint.
2: You guys have had a couple of inter-squad scrimmages these past, I guess, couple of Fridays. And uh, I just wanted to know what you saw from those. How would you scout the team based on what you've seen?
3: Well, V, I think, I think our team, the first scrimmage was, was just okay, so to, so to speak. It was, you know, we were first time in Cameron. And so I thought guys were kind of nervous, even though the Cameron crazies were not in there. But then our second scrimmage, Man, you saw a team that, you know, if we're running, we're really athletic, we can play with such a fast pace, we can pressure the ball. We have two guys in Goldwire and Roach who, when they're guarding the ball, it's tough from the point guard position. Uh, And then you have our wings. You have Wendell and DJ who, if you're catching the ball on a wing and those guys are pressuring, they make it really tough. They make it really tough. on the defensive end, and we're still learning how to play with one another. So I would think that would be the one thing that we got to continue to develop is playing with each other. Uh, when a dry, when a guy drives, you know, playing off penetration, uh, making the extra pass, um, and not trying not to over dribble too much. I think if it was one thing that we're gonna continue to work on as as a staff and our players need to work on, it's just moving the ball because we have a lot of talent. And so, you know, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you've done it, you know, you try to do it alone, so to speak. But moving a ball, playing together, if we can develop that with the team that we have, I think we're going to take off. But it, it will take some time because they're learning each other. So you can't, you can't be mad at them because they're learning. And so that's why the scrimmages in Cameron, the first one was, was okay. The next one was better. And so the more and more these guys get to play with one another, the better they'll be.
0: So there was lots of great stuff in there. I, you know, I think really interesting. I hadn't even really thought about the fact they have not announced official team captains yet. Uh, and he kind of said, you know, oh, Wendell Moore's sort of a captain, you know, not officially yet. And, and he definitely talked about Henry Coleman being a leader, you know, like, can we get through a conversation with someone about Duke where they don't talk about what a great and unique and special guy Henry Coleman is. <laughs> it's pretty remarkable. Uh, Donald, what were your takeaways on, on all this stuff?
1: Well, it is interesting that he brought up the fact that they kind of recognize that this, this season won't go on interrupted uh, in light of the fact that like literally the same day that you uh, learned about uh, Chris Carowell's uh, media availability is the same day that was announced that Duke football will not be playing this weekend because Wake has too many COVID cases among, you know, several other teams in the ACC that will not be playing this or this weekend. And I just have to say, when it comes to, you know, football, basketball, this is going to be the most well-coached Duke team we've ever seen because they're going to have to coach them through the grind of preparing for a game that might not happen. And I recognize that that is probably what's holding back some of this, you know, this angst, right? Like we, we don't see as much from the team. We we're not seeing the highlight videos. We've talked about how we want to see some misses and we're not seeing that either because this team is preparing for the fact that this game on November 25th might not happen. And then the game after that might not happen, but they still have to prepare for them anyway. This is going to be a really, really difficult season for the blue devils in that sense, both for the players and for the coaching staff. So I'm glad that they recognize that. And they're kind of understanding what that mentality has to be like all season and, and starting it in, in the preseason, but with regards to the captains, uh, you know, I I think when it comes to window Moore, he is a guy that can be a captain. We have several guys that could be captains on this team that we've seen, you know, through these practices and through these highlight videos and scrimmages so far, I like that. We have guys that, because at any point, one of those captains could be out, whether it be, you know, a a slight injury or because they're in foul trouble or what have you, there could be guys that could be out on this team. And we need everyone to be able to be in the mindset of I can be leader on this team. I don't have to have the C uh, uh, next to my uh, designated next to me to be a captain on the floor. And if we have several guys that are going to do that and make that vote you know, difficult for the players and for the coaching staff, then that's great. Because I mean, even if, you know, Mike Buckmeyer, Matthew Hurt, Wendell Moore, if, if there's a freshman, Henry Coleman, like any of these guys need to recognize that when I'm on the floor, I need to be a leader and I need to be able to lead this team in the absence of other leadership. I think they're all ready to do that. That's what I've seen so far.
2: It seems to me that Wendell Moore and Jordan Goldwire are the two like most, most obvious captains for this team. So I expect both of them to be named captains, whether coach K decides to designate a third one, be that Matthew hurt. I don't think it's Joey Baker. We just haven't heard enough about that, but Matthew hurt being arguably the, the best player on this team this year could, could garner that kind of recognition. So like you said, Donald though, it's important for lots of guys on this team to be ready to step up because this season is going to have challenges that, that, no season has had before. So everyone has to be ready to, to change the plan at a moment's notice. We're seeing on the football side that, you know, games are getting canceled and moved around. Players are in the middle of a practice week and then realizing, Oh, we're not playing that opponent. Now we have to look ahead to the next opponent. That kind of stuff is probably going to happen to the basketball team this year, a little bit, if not a lot. So being able to refocus, the team is, is going to be important for anyone who's in leadership.
0: You know, we are, we are fair on this podcast, but we are, we're Duke homers. Let's, let's admit it, let's be honest about things. So, uh, I, I want us to admit it when something may not be that great. I'm very intrigued and somewhat troubled by the fact that there has not been a captain named. Uh, it says to me that there has not been anyone who has really stepped up at practice and made it clear and obvious that they are the leader of this team. Uh, we, we can say, oh, that means there are lots of guys who who can take that role and all that other kind of stuff. I, I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, see everything through Duke blue colored glasses. I, I think this is a potential problem for Duke that no one has been identified as the clear captain. And, uh, you know, Clearly, some of it is the craziness of COVID and, and the fact that it, it changed how the team came together over the summer. They did not come together over the summer the way they traditionally would. But, but I think we should not ignore this as a potential pitfall for this team, at least especially early in the season. Um, I, I, I think this is significant. And, uh, and now, that, you know, now that it's sort of been noted, now that Carowell has spoken about it, I, I hadn't thought about that much. This is a big deal. I I think Duke needs to have official captains. Those guys need to know what their role is. And and I'm troubled that no one has asserted themselves in a way so far that makes it clear that they are the captain, even if it hasn't officially been named.
1: So two things to kind of push back on that slightly. One, just because it hasn't been named doesn't mean the players don't know. There's a lot of things probably that the players have been told about the role this year that has not made it to us. So there's that. But also in a – unprecedented year I am not at all concerned that they're going through unprecedented measures and taking unprecedented steps namely not naming captain before the season starts because uh, I think honestly they're all in a new situation they all have to get through it together and they're all in this position together so I'm, I'm not too worried about it we'll find out when we need to find out and I think we'll be
2: happy with them either way the schedule just came out last week. That, that's what I'm looking at and saying, these guys don't know anything about what's going on. A couple of the most prominent coaches in college basketball have have recently come down with coronavirus. I'm sure Coach K is looking at that and saying, "Oh no, that that, that is not good for me." Um, so there are so many, there are so many unknowns, so many things up in the air this year. That yeah, Jason, I I in some way agree with you. I think that there is something a little concerning about it, but given everything else that's going on, I think patience is okay on this one.
0: Okay. All right. Talk me off the cliff. <laughs> that's I, what we're here for, buddy. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm, I'm sure things will be fine, but you know, Hey, occasionally I think we have to call a spade a spade and, and, you know, it's possible that this is something that, that, you know, we need to worry about a little bit uh, with this Duke team, but um, uh, that's going to do it for our conversation uh, with, with Coach Carowell. Um, uh, we're about ready to wrap things up here on this episode of the DBR Podcast. I did want to do something we talk about every now and then. We, we got a five-star review the other day. Uh, we've been getting a, a number of them, but we got one that I wanted to highlight on the podcast. Um, uh, you know, We love it, folks. When you leave us reviews, like and subscribe, all that other kind of stuff, you know to do those things. But every so often someone leaves us a nice review and, and, and we like to highlight them here in the podcast. This comes from Mac in Ohio. Mac wrote, You guys um, are to podcast what Duke is to college basketball, the best in the world. So, Mac, we love you for that. He goes on and says, thanks for um, all the awesome Duke content. I've been hooked on the DBR podcast since 2015. As a Duke junkie living in Ohio, you guys are the go-to men for Duke news and analysis I love hearing from the old players as well and the coaches when they come on your show. And he said the crazy Coach K stories are amazing. Mac, as the guy who asks every time we get someone on the podcast, tell us your crazy Coach K story. I'm glad you appreciate those. There, they are a lot of fun and and it's 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 just fabulous. You know, when we get folks and they're they're able to give us those insights.
1: Can we talk about the fact that you know, first of all, that he's a day one, you know, from 2015, but. Back when we first started this podcast, in the first like two months, we dealt with Rashid Suleiman leaving the team and whether this team could win a national championship. And then they eventually did against all you know all eyes given what the season had gone that at that point. And we're like, man, that's going to be the wildest season we ever deal with. And then 2020 happened. So, and we're still kind of living through 2020. Is kind of bleeding. Is going to bleed a little bit in 2021. So, thank you for being a day one fan and sticking with us through what was we thought the, the the biggest madness ever, and just following us all the way to what is the biggest madness of all time.
0: So we're so with that again, Mac. Thank you so much for for the for the review, folks. Leave us a five star review wherever it is you. You do your reviews and the such, and and maybe we will read about you on the air the same way we did with Mac. Before we go, the one last, last, last thing. Sam has something very special coming up this weekend. Tell the folks what we can expect this weekend from the DBR podcast. So if you have been
2: listening to this show for more than a year, you know that one of our favorite things is the annual stats prediction game, of which I am the boss and the arbitrator. So we will be playing the stats prediction game this weekend on the season preview show. I have to finish drafting up exactly what stats we are going to be predicting. And I will post them on the forum where we post about this episode and maybe we'll get it into the description for this episode so that you can prepare ahead of time, or you can just listen to the show and and play along with us. Keep track, tell us what your guesses were. We're we're excited to play it again. And I know that we have to follow up to get that trophy made. So it's coming. Don't worry. Uh, I, I know I've been procrastinating for I don't know over a year now about it, but we, we will have the trophy for the stats prediction game. We will play the stats prediction game and review our performance from last year. Although, you know, with the, with all the caveats that the season was cut short, et cetera, et cetera. So looking forward to playing that with you guys uh, on the show this weekend.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, And that's going to be coming up for you on episode 253 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. This, of course, is episode 252. We have wrapped up now. Again, congrats to Vernon Carey, Trey Jones, and Cassius Stanley for realizing their NBA dream of being drafted. Um, We wish them the best of luck in the league. We are, I think it's only six days away from the very first Duke basketball game of the season. We got a big stat prediction game coming up this weekend. We're going to be previewing the Duke team for the upcoming season. But until then, we are going to say goodbye. We're going to leave you with the Duke Band. I am Jason. They are Sam and Donald. And this is the Duke Band to take you home. Papa ba da